We are so honored that you would take the time out of your week to listen to this week's message. We pray that you find it helpful and life-giving. If you would like more information on Hope Church, you can check us out at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening. Guys, real quick, just give it up for the worship team. So, the best laid plans, right? You might not even know this. This morning was just full of technical difficulties. It didn't phase them. It didn't bother them. They just kept doing what they had to do and worshiping God. And it was amazing. So, if we haven't met yet, my name is Alfie Adams. I'm the executive director here at Hope Church. Yes, I have a, I have a fan here in the front row. That's uh, my wife, Emma Adams. We co-planted all of this. Um, started a couple of years ago. It's been a crazy journey. And uh, I'm so honored that she would allow me up here to speak this week. She has done an amazing job since we've launched. And I'm going to tell you it's no easy feat as I prepared uh, the past two weeks for this message. So uh, respect to her. She did a great job. Uh, a little bit about myself. I have three kids. Uh, Kean, he's my oldest son. He's in the back in the tech booth. He always does an amazing job bringing you these wonderful lights and lyrics and uh, crushes. Yeah, heck yeah, give it up for that boy. Look, he is a teenager. He could be anywhere else doing all kinds. At his age, if I was to say what I was doing, we couldn't say it here. Let's just put it like that, right? My middle son, Oliver, he's nine. He's back in Hope Kids today, just absolutely having a blast. He's probably got a Lego in his hand doing who knows what with it, making all kinds of crazy things. And then finally, uh, my last child, Phoebe, she's my daughter. And if there's any dads in your room, man, when you get a daughter, it's, it's pretty amazing. I think she's probably like the most adorable, beautiful kid on this planet. We're going to throw a picture up of her. Thank you. That's the reaction I was hoping for. She looks a little confused there. That was her very first school picture. Not quite sure what this guy wants. But it's ironic that we're in this series, Pretty Ugly People, because I'm not going to say ugly, but she's recently discovered her mom's makeup. She did not discover the skills to apply it properly. So whereas we're going to see, she then became Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> what are you going to do? The positive is, if she doesn't ever get better at applying makeup, I don't have to worry about anybody stealing her away from me. So I'm encouraging this right now. So, guys, where's my movie fans at? Who likes movies? Yeah. So you ever watched a movie and you get to the end and it flashes up on the screen based on a true story? It changes entirely how you viewed that film, right? Some of the, like, Remember the Titans, Rudy. Come on, man. They said at the end of the, Rudy, it was, like, based on a true story. I was like, yeah, I'm going to go play football for Notre Dame, too, now. I can do it. It totally changes. If you're like me, right, you like instantly have to Google it. Like, how did it change from the real story? What was different? You know, because it always is, you know, they do it for film. I get it. Today, we're going to talk about a true story that is almost too bizarre to actually be real. But I tell you, it absolutely is real. We're going to talk today about Absalom. We're going to be going through most of uh, what would be a really drama-filled life. Now, I'm going to save you guys a lot of it because it's like baby mama drama and I want to kill this one. And that. We're going to like give you some cliff notes here today. 
But we're going to be going through most of Second Samuel. So, like, if you want the whole baby, if that's your thing, like, if you watch Mari, and nobody watches Mari anymore. That's, that was my generation and older. But anyway, when you get home today, go through it. It's really interesting. So Absalom, his dad was King David. If you don't know who King David was, he was kind of the man. I mean, like, King David, we've talked about him forever. Mighty king, mighty warrior, awesome guy. Absalom, the Bible says, was, at least in his time, pretty much the epitome of beauty, right? It actually says there was no flaw on him. Now, I don't know about you. I've yet to meet somebody without a flaw. I'm a cynical person. I'll pick a flaw out in a minute. Bible says Absalom was without flaw. The other crazy thing about Absalom, and I'm still, I've studied this for two weeks and I'm still wrestling with this. He would go once a year to get his hair cut. I can't do once a year. But when they would cut it, they would actually take his hair and weigh it. Like, put it on a scale, people would gather around. How much did Absalom's hair weigh this year? Look, I'm just telling you, when I'm done with my barber, I'm like, Tom, shout out to Tom up at Norm's Deluxe Barber in Milford. Yeah. I'm like, when Tom's done, I'm like, bro, get that stuff swept up in the trash. Nobody needs to see how many more gray hairs have showed up since the last cut. We don't need all that. But for Absalom, it's a different story. You know, we got to show it off. Absalom lived a life where he was focused on his outside. God sees us on the inside. God looks beyond our Oscar the Grouch makeup, thankfully, right? He looks what's inside. 1 Samuel 16, 7, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with looks and stature. God judges persons differently than humans do. Thankfully, like I said, I'm cynical. I'll, I'll judge somebody quick. I know it. I'm working on it and praying about it. But when we meet people, it's the first thing we see, right? It's the outward appearance. Let's just be real. As soon as I walked up here on stage and the band got quiet enough you could hear me, you made a judgment. That's human nature. It's what we do. So thankful, God looks on the inside. God sees if we're pretty on the inside or if we're ugly or if we're a little bit of both. I mean, honestly, that's most of us is we're a little bit of both here. So today, we're going to go through five points, five lies that we tell ourselves, that we believe about ourselves. And we're going to see how all this plays out. So lie number one, I am my looks. I know that I know we have friends, maybe it's ourselves, and we believe that. We believe that my outward appearance is who I am. We spend too much time on our outward appearance to, to not believe that. It's in our foundation. It's in our culture. It's on our TV. It's everywhere we look. It's how can we make ourselves look better. Look, I've worked outside my entire life. My wife is like, you need to get some sunscreen on. You need, let me get you some moisturizer. You got some wrinkles around them eyes. That's the facts, but 
you know, we look, first thing we do, we look, we make an assessment about people's appearance. Before we walk out of the house, I hope before you walk out of the house, you look in a mirror. I hope. I, I got some friends that don't. I am my looks. That's lie number one. Lie number two, freedom is doing whatever I want. Now, when I make that statement, that seems kind of extreme. Because we, we think, well, no, nobody really believes that. We might not believe that as the whole, that no matter what I want to do, I can do. But if we take it micro, if we, if we go smaller, how many times are there things that we go, well, I can do that. I, I, you know, if I want to do that, I can do that. More often than, than we care to admit. 2 Samuel 14, 29 through 32. Then Absalom sent for Joab in order to send him to the king. But Joab refused to come to him. So he sent a second time, but he refused to come. Then he said to his servants, look, Joab's field is next to mine, and he has barley there. Go and set it on fire. So Absalom's servants set the field on fire. Then Joab did go to Absalom's house, and he said to him, why did, you set, why did your servant set my field on fire? Absalom said to Joab, look, I sent word to you to come. Come here so I can send you to the king. And he didn't come. So I kind of picture this, you know, Absalom, son of King David, he's chilling, shoots his boy Joab a text message. Yo, man, let's get together. Checks it, delivered. Checks a little bit later, no response. He's got an iPhone, and at least in my head, Absalom would have an iPhone. <laughs> Pulls it out a little bit later. It's time stamp now, right? 1149. All right, Joab, I know you saw that. Waste a little bit longer. Still no response. Hits him another one. Joab, you good, man. He even sees the little text bubbles pop up. Like, oh, here he's finally responding. Did nothing. Joab, Absalom's like, man, all right, Joab, I'm going to show you today. I'm going to go burn your stuff to the ground. Now that seems extreme. But it's a symptom of a bigger problem with Absalom. He felt it. He did it. He had no self-control. If you have no self-control in one area of your life, I guarantee you there's a lot more. What are you not self-controlling on? It's a bigger issue. Lie number three. He believed the people he surrounded himself with. I would call those yes men. He called them friends. We call them friends a lot of times in our life. It's much easier when our friends, when our people that are in our circle are agreeing with what we're doing, that are cheering on. What, look, let's just be real. If you ever lived, did time in a bar, how many people are cheering you on to take that next shot? All of them. I remember so vividly, <laughs> just, I'll, I'll tell the whole story, CC22, Club 22, I remember because of being in bands, I could drink for free as much as I wanted. And I was literally in there drinking what would be shots and then chasing it with beer. I did it backwards. I didn't drink a beer and chase it with a shot. I did it completely backwards. And within an hour or two of getting there, I was outside throwing up. 
And I'm so thankful. Another band was there and I was good friends with them. They pulled me aside and they said, man, we're, we're concerned about you. We think you have an alcohol problem. And I'm like, me? You all are the alcoholics. <laughs> but I'm so thankful that I had some friends. And at the time, I, I didn't know the difference between surrounding myself with good people, bad people. I believe in that moment, that was a divine moment, that God had somebody. God used donkeys. God used uh, drummers with bleach blonde hair and spikes to <laughs> help me out. It's okay. You'd have had to have been there. <clears throat> An example of how he notoriously disrespected good advice that he would get can be found in 2 Samuel 16.23. So there was a guy. Absalom went to him for advice. And this guy's name was Ahithophel. Oh, now I was expecting like, oh, so we don't know who Ahithophel is. That's fine. In his day and time, if you went to advice for Ahithophel and he gave it to you, it was literally the same as being from God. If he said it, you did it, and it came through just like it was spoken. In his day and time, Ahithophel would have been Yoda. Maybe without all the like, oh, we're talking old Yoda, not baby Grogu or baby Yoda, whatever you want to call him. He, you know, this is old, wise Yoda speaking backwards, white hair out of the ears. So Absalom goes to Ahithophel, says, look, I'm ready to be in charge. King David's not doing it fast enough. What do I got to do to take King David out? Ahithophel's like, you know what? Look, I... You want to kill him? I ain't getting in the middle of that. But here's what you have to do. He pointed it out. said, A, B, C, D. You do all of that, it's a game over strategy. What Absalom do? Ah, man, that guy don't know what he's talking about. Why am I going to listen to him? Let me call up my friends. Right? He calls up Hushai, the archite. He's like, man, Ahithophel just told me to do all of this. I ain't trying to hear that. I don't think he knows what he's talking about. What do you think? So little did Absalom know that Hushai was actually working for King David. He was a spy for King David. So Hushai was his buddy, though. So he buttered him up. Ah, oh, Absalom, man, you're beautiful. You got this amazing hair. Look, we weigh it once a year, right? Don't listen to him. Listen to this plan. This plan is amazing. This is going to do it. You don't need to listen to all those other people. In fact, this plan is so great, you don't even need an army. Just march out there. You got this. Absalom's like, man, I like your plan better. It's all the glory for me. So Absalom, he sets off on his donkey. He's just donkeying along. That's how I picture it anyway. I don't know what, do you trot? I don't know what donkeys do, but he's donkeying along here. You know, got his Fabio hair. Again, that's an old reference. Sorry, guys. Um, he's Fabioing along on his donkey. He comes up on an oak tree. Goes to duck under it. Guess what? Too late. His hair gets caught in the oak tree. His donkey keeps right on marching. Leaves him hanging. Do y'all see the irony in that? That this man's hair is like such a big deal. He ends up getting caught by his hair. He's hung there. King David's men, they're out and about. 
Look at Is that Absalom? Like literally. That's Absalom. He's, he's hung up by his hair. They go back and they say, you ain't going to believe this. You know that Absalom? All about his looks, Prince Charming looking guy, beautiful hair. He's stuck in a tree right now. And we know he wants to kill King David. So what do we do? They go back and drive a spear through his heart while he's hanging in a tree. <sighs> That's irony. That's why I love reading the Bible. You'll see some ironic stuff in there that you go, that's crazy. It's almost too much to be real, but it is. Lie number four. When I want to get something done, I need to take it matters into my own hand. No matter what. No matter what. How many times are you faced with something you need to get done? Might not always be the most ethical. But you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to do whatever I want. We know that Absalom wanted to be in charge. He's going to kill his own dad to be in charge. Like, that's how much he wanted this. Prior to him setting out to kill King David, he's going to weasel his way in. So what's any man do when he wants to weasel his way in? He's got to look the part. Okay? He's already got his appearance going together, looking all fabio, looking just buff, right? No flaw. So he goes out and gets himself a chariot. After the chariot, he looks at it and goes, well, that's, that's pretty cool. It's a nice chariot and all, but it's not that impressive. You know what would be impressive? Let me go find 50 dudes to go run in front of my chariot. That's all they're going to do. Dusty road, here comes 50 men just running. Da, 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 da dust all flying, they're all sweaty. That's their whole job. Every day, day in, day out. I know that seems absurd. I've seen Bentleys in Seaford. Okay? I'm talking absurdity here. So, Absalom, he goes up to the kingdom. He parks his, uh, his Bentley, if you would, outside of the gates where all the people would bring their grievances to King David. And he stepped in between them. They'd come up and say, man, what's the problem? Oh, you know, man, my neighbor stole my goat. Somebody cut down my crops. All kinds of different problems. Here's Absalom going, you know what? Man, you're absolutely right. Your neighbor was so wrong to steal your goats. Can't believe he would do that. I bet... If King David could hear you right now, he'd side with you. Sadly, man, King David's too busy for this. What the kingdom needs is somebody like me to be up there and in charge. How many times in our lives do we sit back, try to take the easy road, and then want to throw shade to the people that are actually doing the work? How many times do we want a Monday morning quarterback at our jobs, in our relationships, how many times do we do that? This ain't nothing new. It's nothing new under the sun here. It happened before, it's going to happen again. Here's King David sitting up there. I just picture him tired, right? Any leader I've ever known, if you catch them when the cameras are off, they're tired. Face all drugged down. He's in there with some papyrus and a quill and just doing his thing. 
And here's his upstart son outside, Monday morning quarterbacking, how he should do it. Meanwhile, he could have been in the kingdom, could have been there beside David, helping him out. People bringing grievances, he could have interceded. He tried to take the quick and easy way. Teddy Roosevelt said, it's not the critics that count, but the person who's actually in the arena, marred by the dust and the sweat. If you're not a Christian, you're not a, a believer, that's cool. I'm so, I'm so glad you're here. But you can close your ears for a second. Church people. How many times have we thrown shade at the leadership of a church? They're not playing my song. I don't like the way they're doing that. I don't like... Who's that preacher up there in a flannel shirt with tattoos? What's he doing? Come on. I've done it. <sighs> Lie number five. Glory and fame will bring me happiness. Absalom, this guy believed this through and through. That's why he wanted to be king. He didn't want to be king to do the work. He didn't want to be king to help the people. He wanted the glory and the fame from it. Absalom wanted the glory and fame so much that he goes out and builds a monument to himself. I heard a laugh. You think that's funny? How many times have we built monuments for ourselves? So he goes out, builds this big old huge monument. What's he call it? Absalom's monument. What else do you call when you build a monument to yourself? Here's the truth. Absalom, doing all these things, chariot, 50 men, cutting his hair, weighing it. All of these things, he's trying to fill something. He's trying to get glory. How many times do we do that? Because what do you do when you get more fame? What do, you, what do you do when you get more glory? You want more. It's just how it is. There's, there's, it never ends. The cycle never ends. And that holds true in so many things. Let's just be real for a minute. How much money is enough? How many promotions at work are enough? How many hits of that pipe are enough? How many cigarettes are enough? How many pills are enough? How many shots from that needle are enough? Let's get a little more real. How many kisses are enough? How many caresses are enough? How many hugs are enough? Tell me a person who has ever stood up, said, you know what? That's enough. I'm good. I don't need any more. It's like, I'm no fan of the guy, but I love his quote. It's like Tom Brady. They asked him, what's your favorite Super Bowl ring? The next one. Because it's never enough. <sighs> Sermon in a sentence. Whatever you get caught up with is what you get caught up in. That's real. First time I did drugs, a little bit was good. Within the next day, I need a little bit more. I need more than the first day. And then after a week, this is, this is, this is God's honest truth. Within a week's time, I want enough to be a distributor. My own consumption is no longer enough. I now want enough for dis distribution. Like, that's how it went. That's just real talk. 
Absalom, he got caught up with his looks, outward appearance, in every aspect. Chariot, 50 men, monument. And in the end, he got caught up in it, literally. His hair got caught in an oak tree. I, I, I honestly, 100%, I don't have like a theological degree. I 100% believe that was God. You're going to get caught up in with it? Guess what? It's what's going to take you out. So what do we do? We've seen five lies that Absalom was living in. So what do we do about that? I don't want to send you all guys home just like, oh my gosh, no hope for me. So we're going to take a biblical example here. The devil, when he came to Jesus, is whispering lies. He's doing that all the time. Not just Jesus, it's everybody. And that lie just sits there. So what did Jesus do? Jesus had, Jesus had the power. He could have just been like, nah, devil, get up out of my face. You're gone. Jesus took those lies and he replaced them with the truth. Because what happens if we just leave that lie there? That lie sits there. It festers for years and years. And it grows. So if we take and replace that lie with the truth, then we have a foundation. When we're struggling one day, that foundation's there. We can turn to it. We can build upon it. Right? So we're going to go back through our list real quick. We're going to combat them with some truths. Lie number one. I am my looks. I am not my looks. Really? Wow. Okay. Not my looks. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to realize that we are more than our looks. That we have soul. Okay? As I talked about earlier, you know, my, my wife, now we know why. Thank you, Jesus. She's all the time, you need to wear sunscreen. You need to, you know, get some moisturizer on your face. It's, you know, and that's all good, practical. Like, we should be doing that. We should be taking care of ourselves. But it ages. The body ages. It's going to pass away. It's not permanent. What's on the inside, our soul is permanent. Real talk. If we spent as much time on caring for our soul as we did for caring on the outside, how much better off would we be? That's just real talk. We're friends, right? Well, one of us anyway, okay. <sighs> Second Corinthians 4, 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What do you want to invest your time in? All of this is going, you know, I don't know, let's, let's hope we get 100 years, 110, or eternity. I, I, I know where I'm investing my time. Second lie, freedom is doing whatever I want. That's absolutely false. That's a lie. Freedom is doing what, it, what God wants, regardless of how it feels in the moment. I know in my life there's been times where I've had to make hard choices because I knew choose what God wants or choose what's easy in the moment. But I'm telling you, honoring God in those moments pays off way longer than those easy decisions. Proverbs 25, 28. 
A man who cannot rule his own spirit is like a city whose walls are broken down. So in the time of Absalom and King David and all that, you had to have some protection around your house, right? We didn't have ring doorbells at the time. And so if you didn't have a wall or something, or you, know, you had to have it around your animals and everything. Because if you were out tending your goat or whatever you were doing at the time, your house was wide open with no wall. People could just walk in, take it, they're gone. Our spirit needs that. Third lie. He believed the yes men he surrounded himself with. You need to surround yourself with people who are willing to take or willing to do whatever it takes to protect you from you. My favorite song that's really obscure, you won't know it, but it's, it, this is for me. It's called Me Against Me. Because every time I'm the one, I'm the one that made those choices. Nobody else. Nobody was sitting there forcing drugs on me, drinks. I mean, they might have been cheering me on, but I literally was never held down and forced to do that stuff. I always had the choice. Surround yourself with people who will call you out. King David, he hears Absalom's like gearing come to war to kill him. King David, man, he's, I'm telling you, he's like, uh, he's like Russell Crowe in the Gladiator. I mean, he is like, he's ready to do it. Are you not entertained? I mean, he is just that type of a warrior. His men are like, look, we know you're the Gladiator, you always lead the battle. We love that about you. You're not afraid to get, you know, in the arena with us. That's so great. In fact, you're worth like 10,000 of us. You're kind of all that. But we heard the plan that Ahithophel has for Absalom. And if he follows it, it's game over for you. So how about in this battle, you ride in the back. Let us stand up. Let us stand in the way for you today. That's the kind of friends you need in your life. I know it's easier to get those people that are like, man, you're so awesome. You're so great. I have a circle of friends. It's a small circle, but I've told them years ago, if you ever start seeing erratic behavior in me, and they know what I mean by erratic behavior, it's, it's signs that I'm in drug use. Please, very first thing, man, call me out. Catch me. Because I know me. I know my propensity. I've lived this life long enough. I know what I can fall into. And I've, to, I've given him full permission. You question me on anything. If you need to, come get my phone. If you need, look, I know this, is sound, I, this sounds crazy to some people. If you are concerned, I have no objection if you follow me at night to see where I'm going in my car. But please be that person that's going to stand in the way of me doing me. I need that. You need that. Lie number four. When I want to get something done, I need to take matters in my own hand. No. You need to trust matter into God's hands. Any gamers in the room? All right. I'm so sorry. What... Pastor Emma said the other week about wasting 10,000 hours. Like, I don't think it's a waste, right? I think it's okay. But 
would you let, if you're a gamer, you're playing video games, would you let the person, your tune, your representation in the game have free will and just go, yeah, it's great. Do what you want. No, I'm controlling that person because I can see things he can't see. I know better than he knows. He is, he's a dumb pixelated cartoon. That's God. God knows. He created us. You don't think the creator knows better than we do? Come on. We all know that eating too much of a good thing will make you sick. My kids, look, I, I don't get it. My kids in Takis, if you know what a Taki is, super hot chip. He's not in here. So Oliver, my, my middle child, that boy will literally, we just had it last week where he ate so many Takis, he's sick and vomiting. True story, he will do it. Same goes, look, it is the same if we're talking about anything. You don't start out and be like, man, I'm just going to, you know, like, show me a drug addict's like a little bit's okay. Show me that person that's a, I've seen it a lot doing student ministry. Man, I need a girlfriend. I need a boyfriend bad. And then they get one and they've been focused on that is going to fix me. That's going to fill that hole. That drug is going to fill that hole in my soul. That monument that I'm going to build to myself, my Bentley, my new promotion, whatever it is. The truth is we're taking all of these things. We're trying to fill a hole that God created in us for him. And what are we going to fill it with? Because you can keep pouring it in there and pouring it in there and pouring it in there and it's not going to fill it up. The amount of people, relationships are one of the worst things for this. If I just get a girlfriend or if I just get married, then I'm happy. And then three months later, well, now if I just get this house or I just get this baby, And then the baby comes. And then six months later, once all the craziness settles down a little bit, they realize, oh, that wasn't it either. Meanwhile, this hole that God has, just waiting for him to ask him, come on in, fill it up, is there. In 2010, a woman who was 23 years old, she met her mom and dad for the first time. She'd been living in Connecticut And as she's growing up, she's starting to realize that there are some things that just don't quite add up in her house. She's a teenager, and she's got like a school trip going on, and she needs some paperwork from her mom. She goes to her mom, hey, mom, I need my birth certificate for school. Oh, I can't find it. We lost it in a move, everything else. Huh, okay, well, that stinks. I guess I can't go on a trip. Life goes on. She gets to be about 20, and she has to go to the hospital. She's like, Mom, I really need these papers now. Oh, well, look, you know what? I called and I got copies of them sent, you know. So here, here's your papers. She goes to the hospital. The hospital won't take them. They go, I'm sorry, those are fake papers. They're not real. 
she goes, wow, this is, you know, this is crazy. It just doesn't add up. So she ends up one night, late at night in her room. She's on the uh, Center for Missing and Exploited Children. And she's looking at the year she was born. And she finds this baby picture. She goes, wow, that looks so much like me. So she goes in her mom's room, takes her scrapbook. She compares it to when she's a, a month and a half old. She goes, wow, that really looks like it. And she goes, I wonder why there's no baby, baby pictures. There's nothing at me at the hospital this moment I was born. You know, all my other friends, there's all these pictures of me, you know, the baby with the mom. Those don't exist. So she goes to her mom and she's like, mom, you know, this and the papers, like none of it's adding up. And she goes, well, look, I, you know, I didn't want to tell you this, but um, your mom, she was a drug addict. And uh, in a moment of mercy, I decided to um, adopt you from them. And so that's why we don't really have the paperwork or, or anything else. Um, I'm just doing the best I can. So she goes, a little bit later, that really doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, why would my mom keep that from me? That's like a, that's a noble thing, right? Like, here's a lady struggling. Mom comes along. I'll take this baby, raise it as my own. Did, the, did my real mom ever not, like, get on her feet and it was able to come get me? This just doesn't make sense. So she goes back on the, the website for missing and exploited children, and she finds contact information for uh, the lady who posted that picture. And she agrees to meet them in uh, Harlem, New York. So she's in Connecticut. She drives over to Harlem, New York. She meets this family. And it was in that day she met her real mom and dad. Come to find out, her mom and dad, when the baby was 19 days old, the baby got a fever of 104 degrees. They had to rush her to the ER. I've had a child with 104 fever at that, you know, baby, and it's the scariest thing in the world. And that night, while they're trying to get this baby healed up and, and out of there, a lady disguises herself as a nurse and steals that baby and takes her off to Connecticut. She reconnected with her parents and it was at that point in her life that she was able to turn and start living in the truth of who her parents were, what her family looked like and start walking and healing from 22 and a half years of lies. But it was only when she came home to her parents. It's only when we can come home to God and we start filling that hole in us with God that we can start moving forward in truth. That we can start moving forward in healing on the inside. I'm just going to say this again. If you got just bribed or drug here today, I think that's cool. I, I get it. I was, I, was, I was in your seat one day. I really was. We're going to take these next couple minutes. And um, if this ain't your thing, cool. But I'm going to ask you to be respectful, right? That's the least we can do. So if you guys would, for just for distraction's sake, if you'd bow your head and close your eyes, we're going to pray. God, I don't know why everybody's here today. I don't know why they came. But I do want to offer them this moment. If they've never had a relationship with you, 
If they don't know who you are, that's okay. I sat there one day and um, I pray in this next moment that um, they would just have the opportunity to get to know you. That they would set aside all preconceived notions. And if that's you, um, up on our screen, we got a QR code that you can snap. Um, there's texting instructions as well. Or if you didn't bring your phone, that's cool too. You can just raise your hand. And I just want to let you know, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, starting a relationship with God literally is the best thing you can do. It's really, it transformed me. It transformed my wife. It can do the same for you. So if that's you and you just say yes, that's awesome. Thank you so much. With every head bowed, every eye still closed, if um, maybe you started a relationship with God at one point in time in your life, whatever the reason, you know, student ministry, whatever. But over the years, you've kind of branched off, kind of been doing your own thing. You've been trying to fill that God hole with everything else. I just want to give you this opportunity. Um, same thing. We got a different QR code and text instructions on the screen. You can snap that QR code or you can text that. Um, or you can raise your hand too if you're not a, having a phone. That's fine. There's never been a better day. There, there's no debating. There's, no, there, there's nothing to stop you from starting it back up today. I'm going to pray over you guys, and then Pastor Emma's coming up. She's got a few more uh, things to say before we get out of here. Dear Jesus, Father, I just pray in this next moment that um, all of us can set aside any preconceived notions or, or thoughts that we might have. And I just pray that um, we would start filling that God-sized hole in our hearts with you, that we would seek your glory, not our own that we would chase after you, not the next thing, that we would learn to be content with you, not everything else that we're told that we need. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you found today's message both helpful and inspiring. Hope Church meets every Sunday at 10 a.m. in Seaford, Delaware at the Seaford Senior High School Auditorium. If you would like more information, you can find it at www.hopedelmarva.com. That's hope, D-E-L-M-A-R-V-A.com. Thanks for listening.